This is Claiming Your Voice with Janice Garrard, and in this podcast, I feature guests with passionate stories of hope, inspiring others to claim their voice in a world where we can be bold together. And my guest this evening is Julie Malisho. She is from Congo, now relocated in the state of Iowa. Thank you, Julie, for being a guest. I am excited to hear your story, and you're going to share with us why you uh, are here in the United States and what brought you to Iowa? Yeah, so like you said, I am Julie Molisho from Congo, a uh, community health worker for the health department here in Black Hawk County Health Department, but also founder of the River Arc, which is a non-profit organization said to help uh, Congolese, new Congolese here in Waterloo, Iowa. So what brought me here? Um, Coming from Congo, Congo is a country with war right now. Uh, the war starts since 1996, and more than 5 million of people has passed away from that war. But also social unrest, lack of opportunity, all these things bring us here, bad politics, corruption. So how we get here, we get here through a program named uh, DV Laudry. That's a program that brings us here. So why America and not England? It's hard to get a legal program that takes you to England. But in America, we have the lottery program, which is easier for all immigrants to enter legally on uh, the land of America. So that's what brought me here in America. A lot of unrest in Congo. And so that is due to mainly bad politics is what bad politics and corruption so did you say that the war is still going on still going on still, still killing on. raping and destroying like burning on um, villages is still going on right now the location that you were living in in congo was it a city or a rural area I was living in a city, Kinshasa, which is a big city. But when you have war in a country, it affects the whole country. So most of these people from the village, they're trying to come to the big city, which make opportunity and difficult for all of us. This is something, you know, like I think we here in the United States, uh, when we hear about war, it's something that is so far removed from anything that we experience here. So I can't imagine, I mean, can you kind of describe what you had to live it, through? Yes, uh, I can say that I live it myself. It's in the east of Congo. I was living in the west of Congo, but I am originally from that east of Congo. So it's really painful. You can even Google it, the war in the east of Congo. You'll see what is happening there the killing, the raping, the unrest. So like those rebels can come and burn the whole village and people have to flee for their life. So I was not in that city where it was going on, but it's affecting, like I'm telling you, all of us. Because those war, it's like something that they entertain it. It's something like they want it to be there, like no one wanted to. To, to end because it's about mineral, it's about uh, uh, what we call cotton. So when they have the war, people like, I can say Western or, or Occidental people want this 
Mino can get it easier. So they don't care about people dying. They're caring about what they're taking from us. Mm -hmm. So it's the mining, taking the, the natural yes. resources of the country. Yes. yes. Um, I don't know if you can say on this um, who are maybe the people to blame for that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you can say. Let me know how to say people to blame for it, but it's on both sides. I think like the uh, international company, they want to make business, they want to make money, and they don't have it. Like the Colton is helping right now to uh, create like the phone that we're using. And the big producer of the Colton is Congo. So they, they can let Congo to be uh, in peace because if Congo is in peace organized, they won't be able to use, to take that Colton like they want to. So they have to create the war um, the rebel so they can kill people so they can give them space to do their bad business so it's i don't want to blame people but everyone knows that it's western um culture will do that mm -hmm. yeah. so corrupt corrupt big business internationally yes so yes those company and our our like uh, um president so they, they are corrupted. So they give them uh, the opportunity to do that. Because if they stop them, they're not going to do it. They're not going to kill people. So it's like, uh, we call it in French, complicity. So they work together to make it hard on us, little people. Well, I know through this podcast, I want to bring a, let you tell your story so that you can bring awareness to this of what's going on in your country letting the people of the United States know about the situation over there. Uh, like I said, it's like so far, we're so far removed from things like that, that it, it, yeah. those things don't happen here. Um, so you said that you came to the United States because it was much easier than maybe going to Great Britain. Uh, why Iowa? So uh, when we came here with my husband, he was not in Iowa. We relocated from Illinois to Iowa. So we stay in Illinois for four years, but lack of opportunity, job opportunity. You know, um, as an immigrant and refugee, we're facing many barriers. And the first one is the language. And when you don't know how to communicate, it's hard for you to get a job. It's, a, it's a hard for you to secure your job. So it was hard for us to find a job there. So, And we had a friend here in Waterloo who talked told us about one of the meat company here that was hiring uh, people who did, don't, didn't speak English. They have like their own interpreter. So it's why most of us came here in Waterloo. Okay. So, so you came to Waterloo because of the job opportunity Absolutely. and the language barrier uh, mm. was, was diminished. Uh, yes. Diminished. A little bit like, like talking about work, yes. Mm -hmm. But everywhere, everywhere also we should find a way, like in the hospital setting, in the social services, we didn't have interpreter there. Mm -hmm. But at least we had a job. And so then you act as an interpreter in, in your uh, job now at Black Hawk County. Is that correct? Even, yeah, even when I started working for the meat packing uh, uh, company here, I was still, because I speak many languages from Congo, I speak French, Lingala, 
Swahili and a little English. So I was helping there as a, um, an interpreter in the employment office. So when all those Congolese was coming, I was the first person that was meeting, helping them to um, do job application, um, uh, interview orientation and all these things. So I was helping them with the hire process. So I don't know off the top of your head, do you know how many Congolese are in the Black Hawk County area now? It was like, I can say it was more than 2000, but right now it's diminishing because, you know, after working for a company for a while, like if you have like a degree, a diploma for your country, when like you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you come here, you go to the entry level job. After a while, you feel like there is no room in top of you. So people start moving because only the meat company can hire in, in Waterloo. People don't speak English. Beside the company, there is no other company that hiring. So it's hard for these people to stay here. Once they lost their job through the company, like the meat, uh, meat packing company, they don't have other opportunities. So they start moving away. But for me and my husband, we choose to stay here. So because you choose to stay there, so there must be some things uh, that you find appealing about, that you like about the community and what might those be? Um, why we choose to stay here, first of all, my husband is a pastor, we start a church. So we, we helping people so we can leave them and go find uh, like a better life outside of Wadelu. So we're staying here to help those people. And like I said in my introduction, I have a, a nonprofit organization, how I started it, because I was helping all these people coming. Like when I was working for the meat company's place, they were coming just for a job, but beside the job, I could notice they have more needs that's what we're offering them. So I start helping with those needs, but I was overwhelmed. And why uh, that's why I start my nonprofit organization to address those needs, to help them navigate the system, to help them connect to the resource and services that we have here. So I'm like kind of the key person here. So I can leave, I can go. So I had to stay here to help them through this uh, journey here. And is there a continuous uh, movement of Congolese to the area then? Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's some are leaving and new are coming uh, to the same meat company that I was talking. They're doing like a recruitment program right now to some countries in Africa. So those people are still coming here. So I'm here to help them. So you are the leader. <laughs> you are the leader. I'm the only one. <laughs> we have many leaders. I'm one of them maybe. <laughs> so we talked about those challenges of, of language. And then you're mm -hmm. saying that you're helping the people navigate the system. So what are the other challenges uh, that the immigrants are facing? Uh, so besides the language barrier, we have also the healthcare system, which is like complicated. And I thought it was just for us. Now I'm finding out that it's not just for us, it's for everyone, but it's harder for us because of the language barrier. So people can read English, people don't understand English, people can connect to the healthcare, they can make their own appointments, they can go to an appointment and understand everything they're telling them. So we have the school system, 
like I, I said, they have hard time to access resource, uh, transportation back home. We don't drive. Not all of us have, can afford to have a car. We have taxis, we have buses, but here we don't have all these things. To go from point A to point B, we need help. So transportation is one of the barriers too. Um, cultural barrier, like the weather, like you said too. So we have a lot of barrier like the weather. Back home in Congo, we have like a tropical season, tropical weather, it's not that cold, but here we have to fight to face that cold, yeah. And when it talks talking about cultural barrier, uh, it's like how to approach people in this country. We know how we grow up, how we do it in Congo, but it's different here. And racism playing the role, we kind of lost. We don't know how to play this. Can we start a conversation? Can you wait for them to start the conversation? Are they okay with us talking to them? So it just hurts. Mm -hmm. And I, I find that uh, Black Hawk County seems to be rather diverse when I've been over there. And do you feel like it's a feeling of us versus them being because of skin color or because of your immigration status? I feel like it's... Um, or maybe it's a combination. Yeah, it may be the combination, but it's not like related to immigration statue, but it just related to the fact that you now from here, you don't belong. Mm -hmm. That's what I noticed. Wadelu is really diverse. We have people from like Liberia here. We have Marshallese here, Burmese here, but it's just hard for us to navigate all the system. And the like, I didn't even know about racism till 2019, but I have been living here since 2014. So, like I can see people mean to me, like the neighbor don't want my kid to play with their kids. For me, it was just normal. Maybe they just don't want my face. But now I found out that it was related to my skin color. So the skin color play a, a big role, but it just, we're trying to, to do what we can to survive. We're living in a surviving mode, so. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to ask you about then the school system. Mm -hmm. Do you find that your children are welcomed into that school culture? I feel like it's easier for our children than for us. Mm -hmm. The children, so they, they learn quicker, they learn faster than us. I can say the school system is confusing for us as adults. Like it's not the same that what we know back home. But for them, it's the only things they know. Like my children was born here, that's the only thing they know. So it's not hard for them. But I can also say like for my children, they go to one of the school here, Ketrol. I feel like they're really welcome. So there is no problem there. I feel like they're treating them good. Like they're having the education they should. I have one child who has even uh, special needs, but I feel like they're handling it right. That's very uh, hopeful uh, and uplifting to hear that they go to a school system that is uh, accommodating to their needs. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that is really great. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanna talk about then loss of culture and what is it about your culture? Do you feel that maybe you might be losing as you assimilate into 
the United States? Yes, I came here adults. I'm trying to keep my culture, but I'm having hard time to help my kid to um like to keep it like the teachers. The problem about the culture is like like African culture is now writing. It's just sparking there was explaining to us when you meet an adult, how you can greet a person, the respect and all these things, how you live in a family. We are family oriented, but our children, we're having hard time, even the language. I speak French, Lingala and Swahili. I'm having hard time to have my kids speak those languages. So it's a little bit, uh, we are already melted. And uh, one of the programs that I'm trying to develop in my organization is to start teaching our children French, our culture in French. So we're gonna teach them the culture, but also the language so they can have the opportunity to keep those things because that's our identity and we want to transfer it to our kid too. So we don't want them to get lost and live like everyone here. We are different and we have to assume it. Mm -hmm. So what, what would you say then would be, like you said, you were very family oriented. Yes. Uh, what would be another really strong trait? What does it mean to be Congolese? Um, for your children to know. Yes, family oriented. Family have a broad um, meaning. From Congolese family, it's not just somebody I am blood related. Even someone who was like a neighbor in Congo, when we get here, we are family and we live like family. We help each other. Let's say when we have a funeral, somebody passed away here in America, a Congolese passing away, like we have a case here in Guadeloupe, one of our beloved one passed away. So we have to collect money. Each family have to collect money to help to bury that person. So we don't have no health and uh, life insurance, but doing that, we can collect 15,000, 20,000 to help through that. Um, food, uh, we have our own food, like all the culture, and we are really uh, attached to our food. So we're trying the American food, but to feel like I ate, I had to be, uh, to eat my own. Very, um, those are very basic, very basic things of a culture to pass on to your children that I hear you say about the family, the community, having those strong relationships mm -hmm. among all of the community members and that, and the table, the family table of food. We, I love that. We eat together, yeah. Julie, I thank you so much for sharing about your community and about your journey here to the United States. And I want for our listeners to know that uh, we're gonna be partnering with a photojournalist essayist by the name of Wesley Orr, who couldn't join us tonight to discuss the project moving forward. And he is going to be doing a photo documentary about your community so that we can get the word out about, about your journey here and the challenges that you face and the importance of keeping your Congolese identity and that's going to be coming up in the near future. So we're going to be uh, collaborating on that project. So I'll be excited to be talking about this and we'll have another broadcast to let our listeners know about it. Absolutely. It was grateful that you invite me to your broadcast. Thank you for asking those questions and listening to me. 
and I will look forward to uh, the uh, journalist and the documentary project about our culture. I feel like it's going to be exciting. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. You are welcome.